This is where we do some scripture reading, and uh, if you can find Genesis 14 and 15 in a Pew Bible, it might be page 14. I'm going to read Genesis 14 with you, beginning at verse 8. This is all in connection with Psalm 127, our focus this, uh, this morning's worship service, Psalm 127. But here's Genesis 14, beginning at verse 8. And the king of Sodom, the king of Gomorrah, the king of Admah, the king of Zeboim, the king of Bela, that is Zoar, went out and joined together in battle in the valley of Sidim against Chedorlaomer, king of Elam, Tidal, king of nations, Amraphel, king of Shinar, and Arioch, king of Elasar. Four kings against five. Now the valley of Sidim was full of asphalt pits, and the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled. Some fell there, and the remainder fled to the mountains. Then they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their provisions and went their way. They also took Lot, Abram's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom, and his goods, and departed. Then one who had escaped came and told Abram the Hebrew, for he dwelt by the terebinth trees of Mamre, the Amorite, brother of Eshcol and brother of Aner, and they were allies with Abraham. Now when Abraham heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his 318 trained servants who were born in his own house and went in pursuit as far as Dan. He divided his forces against them by night, and he and his servants attacked them and pursued them as far as Hobah, which is north of Damascus. So he brought back all the goods and also brought back his brother Lot and his goods, as well as the women and the people. And then turning to chapter 15, let's read seven verses there. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing as I am childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? Then Abram said, Look, you have indeed given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, Look now toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord, and he accounted it to him for righteousness. Then he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of the Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to inherit it. Turn now to... 2 Samuel 7. Oh, this is just a latest edition. Um, I'm adding 2 Samuel 7 to our reading. And we'll read a few verses from that. Maybe in your Bible, this is around page 357. Moving ahead in time, we've got... uh, First, or this is Second Samuel 7, in the time of David, when David is king. Now it came to pass, when the king was dwelling in his house, and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies all around, that the king said to Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells with inside tent curtains. Then Nathan said to the king, 
Go, do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. But it happened that night that the word of the Lord came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, Would you build a house for me to dwell in? For I have not dwelt in a house since the time that I brought the the children of Israel up from Egypt, even to this day, but have moved about in a tent and in a tabernacle. Wherever I have moved about with all the children of Israel, have I ever spoken a word to anyone from the tribes of Israel whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now therefore, thus shall you say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the sheepfold, from following the sheep, to be ruler over my people, over Israel. And I have been with you wherever you have gone, and have cut off your enemies from before you, and have made you a great name, like the name of the great men who are on the earth. Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and will plant them, that they may dwell in a place of their own and move no more, nor shall the sons of wickedness oppress them any more as previously." Since the time that I have commanded judges to be over my people Israel and have caused you to, re, to, to rest from all your enemies. Also the Lord tells you that he will make you a house. He will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you who will come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father and he shall be my son. If he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the blows of the sons of men. But my mercy shall not depart from him as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever. According to all these words and according to all this vision, so Nathan spoke to David. Now let's turn to our text. Psalm 127, page 713 in the Pew Bible. There's a heading over the psalm added sometime after the psalm was written. A song of ascents of Solomon. Hear the word of God. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he gives his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gate. May the Lord add his blessing to the word we just read. Congregation, after the sermon, we're going to sing Psalm 127 from the Book of Praise. Congregation, beloved of the Lord Jesus Christ, I need you to travel in time with me. Let's do some time travel. Take three trips. First off, imagine you are one of those travelers 
let's say back in the days of King Hezekiah, and you are on a pilgrim journey to Jerusalem, up to Jerusalem for one of the great feasts of Israel. You know how this is one of the songs of ascents going up? And you are singing at the top of your lungs as you round the bend, you're singing this song. And you see Jerusalem. You see the city. You see the prominence of the house of the Lord, the temple. Back then in the days of Hezekiah, you would have seen Solomon's temple. Notice the title. This is a psalm of ascents of Solomon. And you would have seen one of the greatest wonders of the ancient world. Nations were in awe. People, you are in awe as you time travel. The Queen of Sheba, you meet her. She has come from the ends of the earth to see the wisdom of Solomon on display. And Psalm 127 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord keeps watch over that house and guards it, it's all in vain. And it turns out it was all in vain. The temple was destroyed. God said at one point, I will not guard it. I'm going to turn my face away from that place. Let it be ruined. Here are the Babylonians. They're going to smash this to bits. So that's our first time travel. Second, a couple hundred years later, So closer to our time, but still way back in history. Imagine you lived in the time of Ezra, Nehemiah. The city was rebuilt. The temple was rebuilt. But it was never quite the same. Never quite had the amount of gold. Never as rich and well-refined craftsmanship. And it was never quite the same because you know it could collapse again. It could be destroyed at any time. Unless the Lord guards it and keeps it, it is for nothing. Let's go back in time again. This time we set the gauges for our time travel machine and we go back to the time of Christ. So this is quite recent then in comparison. Imagine you're a traveler and you show up and you're one of the 12 disciples walking with the Lord Jesus. And you look at that second temple now, and you are amazed at that second temple. And you say to Jesus, what awesome buildings, eh? What amazing stones. And what does Jesus do? You remember? He weeps. He cries. If only you knew. Let's sing Psalm 127, he's probably saying. Unless the Lord builds the house, it's in vain. What a waste. Unless the Lord watches over and guards the city, what an absolute waste. Because not one stone will be left on another, Jesus said. There will be such horror, such starvation, such tribulation you've never seen. And so, this morning we get to Psalm 127. We need to know what a house is. Do you know what a house is? What a city is? Because at first you might, you might think and you just narrow it down to literal houses, literal buildings, literal cities. But think deeper. These are people. 
households, families, people inside the city. And so I added that reading, 2 Samuel 7, God's word to King David. David, you want to build me a house, God says? A real temple? I'll get Solomon to do that. I got something better for you. David, how about I build you a house? I notice that word, house, is a royal house, a royal family. We call that the house of David. The scriptures call it the house of David. It's his sons and his daughters, all who belong to that kingdom. They will reign with him. He is their king. One of them, God says, will be awesome. You might at first glance think of Solomon because he was great. But Christ is speaking further. Uh, The scripture is pointing to Christ. I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. And you know, this is Jesus Christ, right? The house of David. So let me be clear here this morning. Psalm 127 is first of all speaking of God's house. That's how anyone reading it over thousands of years would have understood it. It's speaking of God's house, God's city, God's people, His children. That's where we start. And verse 3 says, children are a heritage from the Lord. This kind of confirms it. It's, it's not really about the house. It's not really about Labor Day and the things that you can build. It's about people. Children are a heritage from the Lord. And heritage, that's a fancy word, like inheritance. Think of inheritance you might get from your parents or your grandparents. An inheritance is a gift. They don't have to. There's no obligation. They could give you a gift if they have it. And notice verse 3 adds, just to be clear, the fruit of the womb is a reward. And I'm not sure if we know what that means, especially as God's people. Because typically these days, good health, we expect good health. Fertility is what we deserve. Isn't it a basic human right? Something our healthcare system should give to the maximum. If you want children, you get them. But the truth is, Quite the opposite, especially in this broken world. The truth is, children are a gift. Children to God's people are a gift. There's no guarantee for you to have them. And those who have them, it's never because they deserve them. God's children are a gift. That's what it says in verse 3. So this point, you have to remember the gospel The gospel in the Bible, right from the very beginning, the background, Genesis 3, it's been about children. If you want to know what the good news is, God from the beginning says, I will send you a son. Genesis 3.15, I will make enmity, I will make hatred between Satan and the woman, Eve, between Satan's seed, his offspring, his children, and her seed, her offspring, her children. And Genesis 3, the gospel is, I'm going to have children, God says. And they're going to be the opposite of the children of the devil. I'm going to build a house. I'm going to be building a city. 
Abel is murdered. That's the next chapter in the Bible. And the child of the woman is murdered. The one you had your hopes on. All the promise of God is funneling through every male child in the Old Testament. Every individual through the line that God has set up from the seed of the woman. And Cain kills his brother Abel. Who's looking after God's house, you're asking? God gives a son, Seth, to replace Abel. And there's this line of Seth. His sons are born. And you have this pattern. You can go after Noah. You get Abraham. Abraham is childless. And we read this in Genesis 14 and 15. You get a sense of how unless the Lord builds the house, He watches over the city. Unless He's doing that, it's all coming to an end again. This is Abraham called Abram at first, having attacked and defeated five kings so that he could rescue his nephew Lot. God says, do not be afraid, Abram. Why should he be afraid? Because he's in deep trouble. Five kings. He caught them at night. Destroyed them. Rescued Lot and his family. Why would he be afraid? How about revenge? God says, do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield. I'm your armor. Your exceedingly great reward. There you have the language. Reward. Remember, this is about children being a gift. The fruit of the womb, a reward. Abraham is saying, if you're my reward... Where's my reward? I have no children. No seed. No offspring. This is all going to come to an end. It's all in vain. And he's using the exact gospel words that God has given him in Genesis 3. Lord, your promise is at another dead end. And God's answer is, How old are you? Never mind. You shall have a son. And your descendants will be like the stars of heaven. And Abraham believed. You have to see this pattern. This pattern in the Old Testament of childlessness. Against all odds. God will build his house. I wonder if there's more childlessness among God's people than there is in the world. Because Satan is attacking. Every murder, every infertility has some, every stillborn child suggests this may be the end of God's people. The end of the church. But no, God will watch over his city. Even if Pharaoh commands all the Israelite baby boys to be thrown in the Nile River. Even if Herod commands all the boys in Bethlehem, two years old and younger, to be killed. The devil is doing this. Attacking God's children, God's house, the seed of the woman, constantly. So here's Psalm 127. You have to have that in the background. Children are a gift from God. They're a gift from God for His house building, for His city building, His kingdom. And their survival is a gift. A reward from God. They're his kingdom children. You might say covenant children. If you're familiar with that word covenant. It's God's commitment to you. 
You're a covenant child because He's committed. And He's particularly invested in your survival. So in the Old Testament, every child of promise, son or daughter, becomes part of God's house where the Son of God is to be expected. And the one son of the woman we're looking for, the Son of God in particular, will crush Satan. That's our hope. Christ is the hope of every believer in the Old Testament. Unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. For God so loved the world, He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. The Son of God would take God's curse on Himself. You know this happened, right? To bless you in righteousness, He took His curse. Our curse He took on Himself. God's house is built around His Son, Jesus Christ. Remember His reference to the temple? Destroy this house in three days, I will raise it up. He's talking about Himself. I am the house of God. Jesus is saying, I am the most holy place. The holy of holies. You remember in the Old Testament? Yeah, that's me. And there's a house. And it's you. It would be great if we could just reset and read Psalm 127 right from the top. You have your Bible open. You have this background information now. You look at Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. And it's saying you're probably worried about your household and your children. God's people have been worried about their church, about the kingdom of God, His family. And right now, you're probably doing what's best for your kids, giving them the best part start possible. You're doing some planning. Giving them a better start in this world than you had. Probably thinking about their safety, their health, their schooling. And you put your heart and your soul into it and into them. Children can be so vulnerable, so weak, helpless, and foolish. They depend on you, right? But are you going to be thinking like the world thinks? As if children are there for your happiness? And grandparents, as if children are there to bounce on your lap? To relieve you of loneliness? Parents, aren't you thinking that children are your fulfillment? Are you hoarding your children for your own glory? Because here's Psalm 127 saying, unless the Lord is building the household, all your, all your vitamins and textbooks, all your shopping for those non-streaking indoor shoes is in vain. Unless the Lord guards the city, all your safety, your seatbelts, your helicopter parenting is useless. And verse 2 says, it's vain, empty, for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows. In other words, anxious toil. All that fretting. 
spending time and money and maybe lots of driving for school, for so he gives his beloved sleep. What has he called you? So he gives his beloved sleep. Loved by God. Who's taking care of God's house? That's the overriding question here. Who's taking care of God's house? Have you understood who God's house is? You're not just thinking about a house like, or a city, right? This is God's beloved. And he gives to his beloved sleep which is rest. The time you can finally stop being anxious for a few hours. Another translation, probably, probably more like the original, is we have in the updated book of praise, verse 2, we'll be singing, On those he loves, the Lord will heap his blessings even while they sleep. As we sing it, you'll probably catch it. While you're sleeping, while you're doing nothing, this is your God who is giving you, providing you with what you need. You're His beloved. And if we get this right, you see children are the beloved of God. You see them as His heritage. What He holds dear to Himself. Why am I so protective? Why do I hold them so tightly? Is my identity getting wrapped up in my children or my lack of children? Are children my idols? Are their victories my victories? Are their failures my failures? Do I rise and fall based on children? Idols or arrows? Which will it be? Verse 4, they are like arrows in the hand of a warrior. Picture a warrior with his bow and arrows, right? Verse 5 says, happy, how blessed is the man who has his quiver full of them. You know that tube, the quiver is where he has all the arrows stored. And maybe at this point you would expect your preacher to, to tell us from Psalm 127, to have lots of children. To hurry up and have children? And how many is in a quiver full? Well, what you hear in Psalm 127 is even better than this. You hear God's delight in children. Try to get a sense, try to get a flavor of God's pleasure here. Get a sense of the joy that Jesus Christ has, who is the great warrior, who loves shooting arrows at Satan's kingdom of darkness. Let me give you Luke 10. The Lord Jesus is excited in Luke 10. You don't often think of Jesus excited. But there it is in Luke 10. Rejoicing in the, in the Spirit. He says, I give you, he's speaking to his disciples, the 70 of them, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, because they've just casted out demons, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. And Jesus Christ is rejoicing because he's been shooting missiles at Satan. He's been sending disciples out there. 
get a sense from God what he thinks of children. Malachi 2 verse 15, I seek godly seed. I seek godly offspring. And so you hear God say, you, seed of the woman, let's inflict some pain on the evil one, shall we? Who's with me? God has a special joy in taking the helpless and the vulnerable and the weak and the foolish to say, do you have any idea who's on their side? Who's watching over their house, this house? Who's looking after them? They're my beloved ones. I remember the disciples trying to keep the children away from the Lord Jesus because Jesus was too busy preaching. Let's keep the little children away. And Jesus says, do not hinder them. Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. Children are beloved arrows supplied for spiritual warfare. They're given to parents for warfare. And this is the point. Children are not for keeping at your side, not under your control as long as possible, tucked away in your quiver, away from the world and away from spiritual warfare until they are just as strong and mature as, as I am. God isn't giving you children and grandchildren for you to have a family empire, some insurance package. With arrows in hand, you hear this. Arrows in hand, you fit the arrow to the string and you pull back and let her rip. You send them. Let them be mighty in God's kingdom. That's Psalm 127. And it builds what you might have remembered from Psalm 8. We sang it. Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength because of your enemies. That you may silence the enemy and the avenger. Think of Jesus Christ quoting Psalm 8. He's entering the city of Jerusalem. Remember the triumphal entry, riding on the donkey? Matthew 21. When the chief priests and the scribes saw the children crying out in the temple and the children were saying, Hosanna, son of David. They were indignant, those, those leaders, the religious leaders. Do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said, yes, I hear it. Have you never read Psalm 8? Out of the mouth of babes, you have ordained strength. These children are arrows. And Psalm 127 is showing us what trust is. Because you might not trust the Lord and you're going to tuck away your children, you're going to hide them under your wings and keep them from ever being used in the spiritual warfare of God's kingdom. Or you release them. You trust in the Lord. You release them. You let them exalt and praise Jesus Christ, their King. They're going to praise their strength. And it's not you. Their strength is the Lord. So Psalm 127 is asking you if you trust the Lord. Is He really the one building His house? Is He really the one keeping watch over His city? Does He look after His beloved 
So let's look at the last verse. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. He or they shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gate. You had city gates back then. Ancient days, you had this opening in the city wall called the gate. The opening was. And you have this opening kind of like a a seating area with benches. And that is where judges sit. That is where court is held. That is where fierce battles between good and evil, between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent, life and death accusations are handled right there in the city gate. Happy is the man. He won't be ashamed. He won't be embarrassed when his children are in the city gate facing their enemies. Happy, blessed is the man. Are you sure? How about nervous? Children, what do they know? They don't know much of the Bible. They haven't experienced as much as I have. I'm the one who's strong, right? If they stick close to me, they'll be well defended. I I can face the enemy more than them. Really? You older ones in in this church, you think that? You think you're better off handling the enemy than children are? I thought you started out, Psalm 127, unless the Lord watches over. I thought you were saying, unless the Lord watches over and guards and keeps. Have you forgotten what you were just saying? And isn't this the point? Who is looking after God's house? Who's looking after His beloved? Because when push comes to shove, are you going to say it really depends on me? On how strong I am, how faithful I am. My build quality, my alertness, my effort. And let me say to the younger ones here, young people, you are like arrows. Your arrows in the hand of a warrior, your king, the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't be wimpy like your parents. Don't try to hide inside a quiver. Consider how to be mighty in the kingdom of God. How? You start with Psalm 127. You end with Psalm 127. Unless the Lord is building His house, unless He is my safety, unless He is my home and my shelter, unless the Lord Jesus is everything to me, my life is a waste of time. Rising up early. Going to bed late. Unless the Lord is my security. Building the city. Holding us together as God's people. It's for nothing. He is looking after me. You say that young people. He's looking after me. I'm his beloved. I'm one of his many beloved ones. That even while I sleep... He's got me. And so to the young people I say, no one's promising you an easy life. 
you are an arrow. You're a missile, a guided missile. Your purpose is to fight as a king, as a queen, against your old nature that you got inside you, against the world and its, its way of thinking, and against Satan himself and all the demons that accuse you. You reign with Christ. He's your Savior. I love 1 John 2. i got to read that. I write to you, young men, because you are strong. (laughs) How did the Apostle John know you guys? I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the Word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. Think about how you might be mighty in the kingdom. For sure, putting on the full armor of God. Doing things that even your parents don't find so easy to do. Like praying. Evangelism. Whatever it is, where God leads you in life, it is war against the offspring of the serpent. Young men, think about pursuing the ministry. The world needs the gospel more than ever these days. We need missionaries and ministers. We need a whole support network. You are like arrows, and this is the time to be sharp. Who's looking after God's house? Do some time travel. Page through the scriptures. Find out again and again. And page through church history, since the scriptures have been uh, finished. You have so much church history. Who's looking after God's house these days? And you look back in time, you see crumbled remains, buildings, temples, cities, destroyed. Those are not the houses. Those are not the cities God's talking about. That was all in vain. Your security, your safety is in Jesus Christ and that is your only safety and security. He who builds, he who guards, he who keeps, he who supplies and gives, he is your strength. Beloved, you are in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the house of God. The holy of holies. And you are now the house of God. If you are in Christ, you are secure and you are safe forever. You are arrows. Go from here. Amen.